Welcome to day 232 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matthew and Katie Kresge. And uh, we continue our journey through the New Testament. Uh, we've arranged our readings, uh, not in you know canonical order or the order that you find the readings in the Bible, um, but we've spaced the Gospels out throughout the year and we've paired the Gospels with the letters uh, that best fit with the theme of the Gospel. So we've paired Mark with uh, First and Second Peter. Uh, Mark's gospel was largely received from Peter and, and recorded and passed on to us, traditionally speaking. And so we've paired the two together. And we'll also follow this with Jude. And Jude seems to have a kinship uh, with Peter uh, as well. One of the things we're finding out about Peter as he writes, he is a magnificent Old Testament theologian. He's taking mm-hmm. a lot of the themes from the Old Testament and he's bringing them into the gospel and he's done a tremendous job. So in his first letter, his concern is about persecution. In other words, the attacks on the church from the outside. Uh, his second uh, letter, his concern is about false teachers and uh, that's attacks on the church from within. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you find a wonderful, in chapter one, a wonderful description of what you know scripture is. Uh, the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, not the ideas of men, but the ideas of God as they're carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then we move into chapter 2 and 3, and we move into the false teaching. And you're going to find out that Peter really is serious about the danger of these false teachers. You hard to find stronger language in the New Testament than you find in these two, uh, these two chapters. So we move from the beautiful gift of God's Word and how it transforms God's people into the danger of distorting God's Word you know, within the church community. So before we read uh, 1 Peter 2 and 3, Katie pointed out while ago, this is day 232, by the Word, and we're reading 2 Peter 2 and 3. That's right. There you go. She's always sharp. <laughs> Making all of these great scriptural observations. Such deep observations. So, Katie, since you're so deeply inspired, why don't you lead us with a word of prayer as we dig in? My prayer will be two minutes and 32 seconds long. Fantastic. Father, thank you for this time together that we have um, in your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, that you are walking with us daily. And, um, Father, for the fact that you have revealed yourself to us. what a gift that is. Help us to not take it for granted and help us to just walk faithfully with you, um, honestly and vulnerably and um, in community with others, um, other believers. Father, thank you for this word you have for us today. Would you transform our hearts with it? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, then if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. 
If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters that they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They'll be paid back with harm for the harm that they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. The seducing unstable, they are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They've left the straight way and have wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote, uh, you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, 
since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. So of the two threats, threat uh, uh, from the outside of persecution and the threat on the inside of uh, living lawless lives, taking advantage of grace and subverting the teaching of the Scripture, uh, seems obvious that Peter has stronger feelings about the threats from the inside, mm. uh, these false teachers. Uh, his language uh, is really, uh, really stark and, and, and really bold as he challenges them. And uh, calls, you know, he calls uh, his people uh, to remember and to persevere in the middle of not only persecution but also false teaching. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the things that stand out in uh, chapters two and three? Other than the fact that he said Paul is hard to understand, and not everything <laughs> yeah. in these chapters is easy to understand either. Yeah. You uh, always laugh when he says. I wonder you know, if Paul is writing the same thing in another letter. Yeah. Yeah. Our dear brother Paul writes things that are hard to understand, and you're reading it. I'm yeah. sure they've got to the end of this and, th- and are thinking. What about you? <laughs> so, I think yeah. obviously we don't have time to touch on everything in these two chapters, but um, you know, one of the things that stood out to me as we were reading it is in ch- chapter 2, verse 19, it says, They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. Mm-hmm. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. You know, if they have escaped the corrupt, corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and again and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. You know, And, and that's, I think, the promise that you know, false teachers do hold out is here, here is freedom. You know, if you receive these things and, and believe these things, here are freedom. And, and in the end, we find they're not freedom at all. In fact, no. it enslaves us. And you get almost the language you've been studying through Hebrews together, where, you know, the author of Hebrews says, for those who have tasted, you know, these heavenly things and then have turned away or fallen away, you know, you have kind of Paul or Peter alluding to the same kind of image of people who, man, they, they've tasted some of the things of the gospel and yet they've chosen. You know to be mastered by other things, and in doing so, have not found freedom, yep. but another, another a slave to other things. And they've distorted the gospel, you know, for the sake of fleshly freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the freedom that you know Scripture talks about is not uh, libertarian freedom to do as we please or to pursue happiness or all of these things that a lot of times that we equate with freedom. You know, I do what I want when I want, or however I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times we, we use the gospel as a license to that because we have so much grace, uh, we can kind of indulge ourselves. But the kind of freedom the Bible is talking about is freedom from sin in, in order to serve God and to know God and in Him to find true joy and true freedom, yeah. mm-hmm. which is not indulging the flesh, but is actually living in the kind of holiness you know that uh, Peter talks about. Uh, when we live the way that he desires us to live with him at the center of our life, that's where we experience true freedom. Yeah. And of course, that's what Paul was saying, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not liberty to please the flesh, but liberty to live to please God and to know him. So I think what I like practically struggle with when I read this passage is, when is it time to call out this kind of um, false teaching, this kind of lead leadership. Um, and when, like, when is it time to show, be more gentle and more meek, you know, because we get both of those from Jesus, right? We get him turning tables over when it's time to turn tables over and we get him being kind and, and maybe even rebuking in the privacy of their own home. So I just think like, 
um, it's, it's kind of a struggle sometimes to know, like, I feel like some people lean more towards just the rebuke side. They, and that's more natural to like publicly rebuke and call people out and others. It's more natural to just like stay, keep the peace, you know? Sure. Well, you can rebuke in a peaceful way or, you know, in a gentle way and rebuke in a harsh way. You know, you and feel is like this something you're just wanting her to know in your marriage? <laughs> yeah. 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 No, do you feel like we are called at times to publicly call out? Does that? Yeah. Well, it depends on, yeah, we're always called to publicly call out. Um, but uh, you know, if we take, you know, Peter's first letter, uh, he says, but do this with gentleness, gentleness. and respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that those who you know malign your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So you do have example of you know Jesus you know acting in a, a severe way, and you do have examples of Paul using severe language and Peter using severe language. But when you look at all of their instruction to us, their instruction to us is always in the side of gentleness. Matter of fact, it's in the Beatitudes. You know those who are poor in spirit, those who are meek. You know those who hunger and thirst. You know for righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have you know Peter's instruction you know to do this with gentleness and respect, so we should always you know take great care, you know uh, we we should sound the alarm when the alarm needs to be sounded and it really needs to be sounded, you know here mm-hmm. where you're using the gospel as a license for indulge, indulging in mm-hmm. sexual promiscuity, uh, you know gluttony you know personal greed and gain and those things ought to always be exposed. But we never have, you know, license to um, bring our prejudices and our hatreds into into the argument. Mm. So while you do have examples of, you know, harsh language in Scripture, mm-hmm. Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus, Paul, Peter, uh, all of their instruction to us is to be gentle. You mm-hmm. know, so Jesus is to be as wise as serpents, but as gentle, you know, as doves. Yeah. So when you look at the you know, prescriptive passages. Prescriptive passages call us to be people of of gentleness and grace, mm-hmm. and of course, Peter even points us to Christ. To when they made their accusations against him, he mm-hmm. said not a word, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but received them in gentleness and trusted them. You know, entrusted himself to the Lord who judges all men justly. So there's Peter's instruction along with us. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting yeah. too that he's not writing this. Yeah, I think maybe in our culture in our time too when we disagree with someone we want to speak, you know, to them or against them. But Paul's right or Peter's writing this to the church, mm-hmm. you know, out of love and concern for them. And and really he lays before us two things is you know, the judgment of God is a is a real judgment and we see it throughout our history. He even says remember the Old Testament, you know, remember what the prophets have spoken like there's a very real judgment that mm-hmm. awaits. And there's a very real and good salvation too, and, right. and you have to love, you know, God's patient, but don't count His slowness, you know, yeah. for just like you but can do whatever you want. But or he's, he's running behind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God will come, and 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 then until then, I love the way He closes it. You know, a very real judgment, a very real salvation. He says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Mm-hmm. You have a very secure position, and until you come, you know, until He comes and we experience the new heaven, and the new earth He longs for. Yeah. Let us grow in grace. And uh, yeah. So in your, you know, so in answer to your question, we should always uh, confront error that threatens the very heart of the gospel, mm-hmm. and indulgence in the flesh, and in greed. And in you know, adultery, the things you know that they're talking about, you know, definitely 
attack the heart of the gospel for talking about you know differences in you know eschatology or you know the tribulation or the millennial kingdom or things like that there's a a lot more room you know mm-hmm. for uh, you know for grace and disagreement good people you know everywhere but when something attacks the heart of the gospel we we ought to be firm with it mm-hmm. in our individual relationships and mm-hmm. we see it happening you know in our friends mm-hmm. you know we ought to gently instruct them in order to bring them back into the way uh, you know john saying when you do that you have rescued them and have turned back a multitude of sin and and, and we ought to in the world around us critique places that um, our greed and our self-indulgence has crept into the gospel and we're justifying it by the gospel mm. so um, there's a lot more here so and uh, we could have done there's a couple of Calvinist themes we could have hit but we <laughs> we missed the opportunity to do so so that uh, once you close us in a Calvinistic word of prayer <laughs> yeah. let's pray Father you're sovereign and you're good we thank you that in the midst of both a very real judgment a very real salvation um Father, we find grace in Christ Jesus, and we pray that until then, until um, the day comes where we see you face to face, that we we would be found faithful, that you would hold us secure and firm, um, helping us to grow in the knowledge um, and grace of Christ Jesus. God, would would this passage and and these chapters um, transform us? Would they accomplish your effect in us? Uh, Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.